0: Log Talk
1: Radio.
0: Mm. Oh. Oh. To barely love it. None of the two love it. i out, Tumela, mail at to Tumela, tumela, her. One of them is a to tumela, is Look at the markers. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. It's you
2: Good morning and welcome to Zambia Block Talk Radio. My name is Roger here in Oko Talks. Not that that's called uh, nothing, but uh, just fine. That song is Black Diamond from South Africa, Love Letter, Love Letter. One thing, Nathan, I don't know about you, like a so-and-so, but we're here, I'm not sure about Brother Warren. But I don't know, maybe it's just, it's just me. I've always, um, because of the time they spent, the South Africans spent in Upper Side, I had this mind of saying they were very backwards. They were locked up in a long time, and they were not developing. Nothing was going on there. At least maybe, just maybe nothing. That is what the media told us. There was nothing going on in South Africa. And yet, just from the musical point of view, they're so no way advanced than us. What am I missing? Nothing. Am I talking to myself?
1: Oh,
3: I, was, but, I was talking to myself. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so everything I've said has gone to the wind, right? <laughs> yeah. No, you haven't said much. I w- I'm sure. I, w- I was saying that
3: amazingly, some of the great musical hits uh some of the things that happened behind that apartheid curtain yes. were amazing <clears throat> roger amazing stuff went on yes. these people didn't just stay dormant and be crying
2: no.
3: they were they were doing stuff they were doing stuff
2: no mm-hmm. i mean if you just see from their just from their music uh you you watch their uh, videos oh, this never started in 1991 I'm sure there was something they were doing. Now, going forward with that song we played, uh, Black Diamond, uh, Love Letter. This is a very sad, uh, I don't know about a very sad, I think it is a very sad story. Love Letter, this is a, a guy who was writing letters to his girlfriend from jail.
1: Um, mm-hmm.
2: And the girlfriend used to go to the mailbox to open the mailbox to, uh, so he could see uh, a letter has come, she could read. Uh, apparently, I don't know if there was love triangle or something like that. There was another boy interested in the to the girl. So he used to steal the letters. So she, she never received any of his letters. Any letter which um. came, he was the first one in the mailbox and stole the the, the, the letter. Uh, the good thing, he never read them. He just uh, piled them up until one day... Uh, he decided to deliver them to to the to the jail. The reason oh, wow. why the guy went to jail again was the amount of violence and nothing, uh, which uh, to this day goes on in South Africa. So I went online. I was searching the gun violence in South Africa. What caused this? How did they start uh, to be this violent? Why? You know, is, is it because the, the, what the whites have done in America, where they, you know, pour guns in poor neighborhoods so that the black people can kill themselves? Why? What is the reason? So I started to search. I started to search. One of the reasons which was given uh, was, yes, um, under the apartheid movement for the ANC, to, for the mm. uh, freedom struggle, they had to take up the AK-47 to fight the the, the white the, the whites because um, peaceful demonstrations were not attainable uh, from what they were going through, so they had to uh, pick up the uh, the guns. Uh, to the whites as Africans, they were told you have to have a gun because Ank is coming the African people, the black people, are coming to take up your property. To, you are going to be in danger. So pick up a gun so that you can defend yourselves. And
3: that, that, doesn't that sound like America to you?
2: Exactly, exactly. And, and, and now we have this culture of uh, violence uh, in, 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 in South Africa. Um, I had a friend. To...
3: I had a South. I had a South African friend in Zambia. He, mm-hmm. uh, what do you call it? He used to have. Uh, he used to sleep with a uh, AK-47 under his bed.
2: Where in Zambia or in South Africa?
3: <laughs> in Zambia, in Osaka. Oh wow! Yeah.
2: Because of uh, the hallucinations he came with from South Africa. Uh, oh, did no. you think people were following to, to Zambia? No, because, because they were being followed.
3: Uh, they were, You know, they were being followed and they could be abducted or they could disappear. Just, they used to, some of them used to be... That apartheid regime machinery was, was terrible, Roger. That was a terrible thing. It
2: was brutal.
1: hmm
3: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you have, to, we also have to think before the... They officialized the apartheid because there was a, a, an era of unofficial apartheid. Uh, that is a bloody country from many years ago, like the, the 1400, 1500, six, six, and it's yes. a yes. bloody country with those kingdoms uh, fighting with the white people and uh, you know trying to become one country after those bloody fights of hundreds of years. Uh, it's um, it's quite a story
2: actually. If see it uh, Nathan, if you watched uh, that mm. video I, I, I put on my, my Facebook page about the South African flag, it tells you the Dutch mm-hmm. were first to, to, to arrive in, in Cape. And you I, I even asked the, the question, uh, they found it, where, where did it go uh, for them to, to find it? They were driven away from Cape by the British. Uh, so it was just about war, and Raka has added on another element. Oh, uh, the Zulu, the Zulu—it was all about fight. Mm-hmm. So they just moved from spears to uh, to guns, to more advanced stuff. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that is South Africa. Brother Warren, good morning. We're getting carried oh, away good
1: here. Morning. Good morning. Join the conversation there. You know, whenever. Uh, all the black people, whenever we're under the wall and oppressed, some of our most creative juices flow. <laughs> yes,
2: yes, 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 yes. I know. Um, the 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 good thing is that uh, now I was looking at the statistics. Gun violence is uh, because of the strict laws they've passed in South Africa. The gun violence has been. Has been going uh, downwards, uh, but again, mm-hmm. um, our people, especially in South Africa, they are very, very, very prone to, to violence. I'm not sure why, and I'm not sure what will uh, what will change that. Yeah. Now, Nathan, my my guest has, uh, has sent information that mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I can connect him. Uh, so
3: no, I thought you were going um, to say he says he's watching Arsenal and Manchester United.
2: Oh, they are playing. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm joking, <laughs> joking. It's very, it's very, it's very, it's very true. Uh, anyway, go, go on, Nathan. Um, we we had a very good guest where yes, you we know, did. he was reminding us about uh, how lazy our leaders are. He said, lazy that we cannot do anything. We look at cereals in Russia. Uh, imagine if cereals was there by today, who could be world-class exporter. He talked about oh, yeah. God in, Kassens- in Kassenseli. He um, talked, I, I, I like this one, Laka, Pay taxes. Pay taxes from what? You know, when you have so much uh, <laughs> Unemployment.
1: <laughs>
3: Mm-hmm. And then
2: he says, this is your country. I like this one. He's telling the diaspora, this is mm-hmm. your country. So don't hear when somebody says, you can't invest here, the country is gone. Zambia is your, is your country. No one will save it. Uh, go go go, on Nathan. Uh, just do a small review mm-hmm. there, and then I'll see if I can do justice. But my guess is supposed to come d- in d- 30 minutes from now, but I, wa- I just want oh, okay. to, to do Go ahead.
3: Dr. Cassonso, Alan, like you said, we're here, Mr. Warren, although he was not on the our first segment. Um they raised a lot of issues. A lot of issues. You see, that's the reason I brought him on. I those I know Alan Doctor Casonso you on Facebook. Go to his page, Cassonde Mwenda C. This guy has documented every Factory or industry that used to be and is no more crisscross the country from Minilunga to Mamba to a- any way you can think of. I said to myself, This guy is passionate, Pastor Alan.
2: He's mm-hmm. really
3: passionate. Number one. Number two, you heard what he said. He runs a construction company, he's never had a contract since 2009. What kind of atmosphere really is that? <laughs> Ah, uh, it's um you know our country leads a lot to to desire all those things but in my view it comes down to our opposition leaders we have got to have a strategy where we are biting at the elephant slowly mm-hmm. you know we, yes we are headed for the government we want the presidency but let's get ourselves into the city council let's get ourselves into the um uh, the, the mayor position. Let's get ourselves into the word councillors. All these positions add up to your voice and to your clout. And then more of our people, as they engage in civic uh, duties, they begin to say, wait a minute, this is what the ca- how the country is supposed to be run. Maybe we should be doing more. Because the more of you the regular citizens that you are quoting to support your party, get them engaged in, in uh, civic duties at the local level in their own neighborhoods. You know, which is what we see here a lot. You know, one thing I wanted to ask him though, so Nathan, is uh, why is it that our opposition parties they point out generally what is wrong, a broad number of things that are wrong. We don't see one of them zeroing in on one particular thing and saying, We shall see this one. This one we shall see it until the very end. For instance, um, uh the goat being stolen or Fire trucks at one million. Quarters. This is to the very bitter end. Something that can show, you can say, even went to the court, say, did this, this, and that, and that. Something specific because the government knows. The reason why they keep doing it is they know that they're going to complain for two days and they're going to forget about it, and the nation will forget that we store our money while we, we bought trucks at one million. And they go on. And they do
2: something else. We cry for two days, we move on to the next thing. And that money, they don't return it. That's why you have Dora Sidi, still in government. She oh. never explained how she buried all that money, where it came from. How does her son have all that money? She said, never, nobody was ever told. You know, but we talked about it two days, forgot about it. So there are no consequences
3: and they don't feel the obligation or need to be honest about anything.
2: Because there will be no consequences. So we change people.
3: Mm. Yama, what stood out to you? Um, he, he covered quite a number of issues, and I know, like I confessed, I even I lost my script because uh, the connection was giving us problems. Uh,
2: what stood out to you, so
3: What stood out to me? It's uh, the same thing. We have been, uh, as, uh, some of us have been having problem with uh, the current leadership. With uh, when this leadership came in, uh, in, um, in leadership. No debate at all. <laughs> and they continue that up to now, you know, every because they are leaders and they, they will just wake up and uh, say something and they, they want the, the nation to follow. No uh, debate. That's what stood out to me. And uh, which we should... We, we, we I, to, I like uh, that. Mm-hmm. We, we need to challenge them, you know. This time there has to be a debate, no matter what. And uh, the president himself and the, all the leadership, they should be very, very thankful to the Zambian people the way we have let them get away with things without uh, challenging them, you know, even confronting them. Roger just made a, a comment here about uh, South Africa, you know. Uh, wow. That's something, too, I've been thinking about, you know. South Africa, despite what under apartheid. <laughs> In some in some sectors, they're very really doing even in the parliament when they debate or something I don't agree with. At least you can see there's a debate going on, and they are, uh, they, they stick to uh, the way parliament supposed to. Sometimes I get uh, To be honest with you, I don't, I get uh, disappointed with our parliament. Seriously, I get disappointed. But how long ago since we got independence and these people they just so. No. Uh, you know the, the, what stood out to me it's about uh, the debate, and the, what another thing is uh, is a builder. You know, and yes, I, I, yes, he's I'm I'm a qualified architect. Saying, yeah, he's an architect. Yeah, architect. Yeah, and I'm just getting into construction myself or helping, and it's amazing when you have that sector of that part of the the culture organized you know, and uh, there's so much instruments that uh, the government, this current government, it, it does not even care that the nation have a speed square, the nation build on a, uh, on a certain uh, measurement, you know, there's, you can go to a place and get a, bro- a block or a, a frame that is by Zambia or international that when we, you order something it fits in right, but this mm. guy we just talked to, at least he has, he, he has that in mind, if we sit with him and said what, you know, and he needs to pick up a, 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 either a copper belt or southern province or where and sit with the leaders, this is how we're going to build. You know, and make sure no matter if you are, you, you come, you don't have money, what, not, if you can build, you know, mm. let's do, do, B, let Let me know. throw this question so, to so, Dr. Casonso before, mm. uh, before Roger comes back here. Um you are talking about people just digging gold like that, like he pointed out, Dr. Casonzo. Why uh-huh. are we managing that? Gold is, countries that have gold, it's as much as countries like oil. They, I mean, your economy will go boom, you know, if you manage it properly. Why are we letting that gold thing go on like that in an unconventional manner? Uh, it's a gross irresponsibility and lack of understanding what the purpose of uh, being in government is. Uh, you know, um, the essential part of governance or so taking the reins of power for the nation mm. is to look at the interest. How best can you make the country richer? How best can you improve the conditions of your own country? It's, 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 it's that, that missing Element from our from our, from our current government, uh, where they think in terms of country. Uh, if you go go into the KKS the, and others, the leaders they were very big on on country and and uh, something uh, that I saw also on um, on on on, on uh, um, the, the EEF president, he mm-hmm. thinks in terms of country. It thinks in terms of country. So if yes. our people who are, who are in power would think in terms of country, then they can be able to harness the ingenuity uh, of its um, uh, natural resources, human resources, and all kinds of resources to put them together and grow the pie so that many of the people can be eating from that pie in a yeah. in. A, in a safeguarded and protected manner. But they don't have a concept of nation, you know. They don't have that concept of the nation. And it's difficult to learn it in a class you never attended or somebody just yelling at you on social media over it. You can't learn it from there, you know. Um, For a long time here on the show, we've talked about the disconnect that um, uh, we have in terms of public policy in Zambia. You know, you you remember that... that, um, argument we had uh, uh, Navachadi, Navasim, Nava this, this man from Indiana. Uh, Noah. Uh, yes, yes. That, yes mm. that, that The problem, they, they used to suggest that the problem we have in Zambia is not uh, policy, and I insisted that, no, it's the policy, because the policy itself must guide the people what to do, when to do it, and mm. also project, the outcomes of um, the results. It's that, that lack of understanding. What impact would the, the gold the deposits have on the economy? If we get them, where do we take them? Uh, I was just talking about this thing that they launched the other day, the, the economic uh, whatever recovery program, and uh, they have said that they want to improve the reserves at the Bank of Zambia, reserves and gold and all those kind of things. And then they go on another page and they tell us that everything they are going to do will be private sector driven. So now how do you engage the private sector to bring the gold to the Bank of Zambia, for example? You cannot do mm. that. That's a disconnect. So what does the government do? It has to have, you know, there are things that government can do and there are things that uh, the, the government can do and should do to safeguard the commonwealth of the people. The government can go there and put in a system uh, that is both public and private shared, and then from there the government can be able to uh, 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 get that goal. But they don't think in terms of national. Uh, national. They don't think national. Look at even the construction project that they put up in the last 10 years or so since they came to power. Mm-hmm. They... they apart from the the road network that was intended to connect different parts of Zambia, most of these others are just disparate projects. Disparate projects, and they they have a project there, they have a project there, they have a project there, and you know, they, they, they don't calculate the impact of all of that in the short term, and the actual value to the people who are there in the long term. It's just to throw things there, Uh, and life goes on they don't have a national concept and their national concept is very critical um, because if we think national we can look at every step everything that we do how much does this add to value uh, I add to to, to the
4: national national
3: National, yeah because why are you why are you Mm -hmm. building flyover bridges in Osaka when, uh-huh. the, when the farmer cannot move his produce from deep in Lundazi to the market in Chipata, why are you building a flyover <laughs> bridge? I know people who say, oh, you guys don't have, you are always criticizing. No, it's not just criticizing. It, to me, it's like the element of common sense is even lacking in this projector. National thinking, of you know, You know, we talk about the common sense. But national thinking, Vanca. National thinking. What does this add to Zambia? You know, that way, Congo we borrow in the billion. What will that add to Zambia? You look at the, their document. Their document is, a, you know, you, you, you know, it's written in a way that, well, we terminology, economics. So, umuntu but if, if, if you look at the objectives and the things they are trying to do, right now GDP, the growth of the GDP is in the negative, negative. And then they are saying that they are going to grow the GDP next year but from the negative to start growing by 3%. And then mm. you go and look at the, of the actions that they are going to do about it. All of those actions, uh, maybe only 12% of those, the, the actions they have listed can be implemented in a period of, uh, of 12 months. And the results cannot be seen in the specific period of the document they are written. So they go and write a, a useless document and they even create a, a, a large endeavor. They invite the people, they even sing the national anthem over foolishness. It's annoying to the core. Mm. We mm. have to think national, we have to calculate outcomes. You cannot say that uh, GDP is going to be grown by. The donation that the government gave to the musicians. They've even included that in, the, in that document. GDP mm. is going to be, we're going to establish industries. Uh, we're going to establish industries in this district and this. You know, GDP is, we're going to do industries. But how long does it take to develop an industry? How long does an industry take to generate a profit? from the time you secure market and the things you're going to do that can you do that in twelve months? Can you do that in twenty four months?
4: And that's what they're mentioning yeah. that
3: they are now going to be your One miracle workers. They will just go to every disk. they'll raise their right hand and they slap the finger on the ground. The factory grows and it's producing everything and they'll grow the GDP in two and a half years. You and know I one of the things we- that uh we didn't get to – like I said, I'm bringing him back on the 2nd January or 9th January, uh, one of the mm-hmm. two weekends. Um, uh, One of the things that uh, mm-hmm. they are, he posted on his page, and I'm glad Dr. Gajira is here because I want him to speak to this. It's the issue of uh, mortality rate. Um, let me – I'm trying to – yeah, I think I managed – yeah, women's health agenda. Uh, where he's talking about uh, the, the mortality rate uh, at uh, in what's the word? I'm looking. No, he says no woman should die when giving birth, uh, giving life. How how do those? How does that picture look like, Doctor kazila in our country, or the um, women dying at uh, when giving birth and all women health infant mortality, all those things. What's the picture there? Uh, can you guys hear me? You sound like you are very far. You sound like you are very far.
1: me one minute.
3: Okay. Can you go on speaker? Can you hear me? Okay. That's better. That's better. Oh, okay, thanks. Yeah, thanks thanks for that question, uh, Nathan. Um, uh, Throughout uh, our history as a country, one of the things that
2: has
3: a big step is uh, the high uh, neonatal mortality rate, the high uh, peripattern mortality. The Mm peripattern is uh, death surrounding a pregnancy. And of course, neonatal is the outcome of that pregnancy, which is the bay, the child. Uh, so those those rates are extremely high, um, not only in Zambia but uh, in the uh, developing countries. And uh, part of the reason is um, one lack of proper health infrastructure geared specifically to women, to women's health, um, mm-hmm. in, in terms of access to uh, well organized uh, uh, pre-natal actually it starts from before the pregnancy. Uh, monitoring one of the big problems with pregnancy is a condition known as preeclampsia, which is uh, basically high blood pressure in pregnancy, and uh, that one can account for quite a, a big percentage of deaths.
1: And uh, mm-hmm. you
3: can pick up very easily if you are having a perinatal um, clinics where they are now monitoring these women regularly until the death. Now then, also delivery to centers where that are equipped with obstetricians, um, surgical facilities where breach pregnancies and other complicated pregnancies can be done because that's what leads to a lot of deaths, uh, uh, which means the baby is facing the wrong way. Um, can create uh, tears and hemorrhaging and so on if it's done, say, in a village situation. So all these things, um, so without going too much into the medical aspects of all this, yes, there's been efforts made, uh, the international community through the Bill Gates Foundation and WHO have been making efforts to uh, improve these uh, these, uh, or reduce these uh, mortality rates. Um, but it all comes down to to governments, individual governments actually um, uh, uh, putting together plans and resources that can uh, lead to, to this reduction. Because ultimately, if we are losing our babies, our children in, uh, during birth, we're losing our women, it's impacting on our economy. Um, so um, I think that's how I'd answer that, but I, I didn't hear what um, aspects, um, when Dr. Mwenda was uh, talking about because I, com- I didn't... No, we, we, didn't, we didn't get to that point because we had technical issues. The line kept dropping and we lost okay. a lot of time. My other point, my other question to you on that, Dr. Kajira, is that why does it always has to be... Uh, what's the word? Can I use foreign or international organizations to come in and do something <clears throat> Uh, why don't we do or improve our own health infrastructure from the <laughs> monies we are collecting from the tolls? Oh, Roger is
2: back. Good point. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, actually, I'm back. I'm laughing at your question.
3: we Actually, your question is actually where the problem is because mm. government thinks by building a hospital in every place, that will automatically address these issues. Uh, it does not. The biggest resource that needs to be built up is the human resource.
1: There the you
3: expertise, go. Expertise. Yeah, the expertise. So instead of investing, I would rather have a hospital in a ramshackle, which has the oxygen, which has uh, you know, which has a, a, a midwife, which has a doctor, uh, even if the building doesn't look beautiful, you know, if you have all those elements, the outcomes will be better. So, but our problem is our government has gone into this uh, frenzy of building things all over the place, like Vakasanto said, without knowing, having a clear-cut plan to how they'll fill those hospitals with the right skilled nurses, with the right skilled doctors, with the medication, equipment, etc., and how to maintain that, that equipment. So, all you are having but, is white elephants across the yes. that look beautiful. And because so you know what, I, what I've always this, said, Dr. Kazila, our politics yes. are based on deception. People get easily yes. deceived yes. when they see things. Yes. So, yes. what is that flyover? What development is that flyover bridge bringing to you? I mean, if you come to the Western side, I told somebody, Dr. Brother Mr. Warren, I said, so what does, what significance is it if you move the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem? So what? <laughs> you see, the politicians will do anything to stay in power and to cling to those of, to, to that, whatever they want to do. So what if you move the, the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem? I know they, my evangelical friends will get on me and say, oh, blah, blah, come on, <laughs> get over it,
2: get over it. <laughs> Get over it. <laughs> 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 the um, Nathan, uh, Dr. Gajira's village, um, just just government policy. Mm-hmm. Dr. Gajira's village and I, uh, I don't know about Waka's also, he is a confused one. It doesn't really know it, where it's village, whether it yeah, is in know, mm-hmm. No one knows. <laughs> um, if we cut catch, just catching the distance between um, Lusaka and Sorwez, where the, most of the economic activity is is going on, uh, you put just a simple, simple um a bridge on the River in the national park there, and all the vehicles from Lusaka, instead of going all the way to the Copper Belt, they cut through there. Over 10 years, Nathan, we will be uh, saving close to $2.5 billion. over 10 years. More than that, maybe even $5 billion in cost for fuel, in cost for importing uh, and spare parts. But no, we'd rather build uh, all these... Uh, high flying over bridges, so we look good, capital city, when two kilometers away from Lusaka, sorry to use this bad word on radio, we look like shit, as they say. <laughs> that is a, that, that's the way it, it is. It is sad. Anyway, you'll be expect, my, you'll be my guest is change. going to be joining us. Yeah, it is it's going to be jo- joining us, uh, 45 minutes to, to the hour. Uh, so I had um, a lot of, as always, a lot of uh, items uh, to cover. We covered the, the South African. I, I heard my was talking about that, but I, 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 missed, I missed that. Um, very quickly, <laughs> Dr. Kajia, as far as the, the vaccine is concerned, um, most Africans, if I was to take a poll uh, by African country we will probably be talking about 70 to 80% of Africans don't want to touch, to touch that, that uh, vaccine. <laughs> question is, do we even have an option?
1: Yeah.
3: My brother, you know what? Our, there's several factors here. One, there's a historic uh, basis for why Africans are skeptic about vaccines. Uh, because in the past um, they have seen people who are anti-African or racist using uh, vaccines to, um, to, to actually reduce our, our population or target vaccines at our population. There's a mistrust between Africans and the West in terms of do the West really have the best interest? Uh, for Africans in mind, when they when they give us this thing, or are they mm. trying to destroy us so they can take over Are they are trying to kill us and so? On. Yeah, and they're trying to kill us. So and we cannot laugh that off and say as stupidity or ignorance. I think um, there's truth in that. There's definitely truth of mistrust. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah. So how the question is how would we correct that mistrust? My belief is that we can only correct that mistrust when we Africans ourselves sit on the table. We start actually um, uh, discovering some of these vaccines for our own. uh, Yes, yes. And and, uh, having
4: African
3: scientists embedded in there and saying, pushing for us. But now we are just the receivers. That's where your problem is. If they they figure everything they throw at you, you have to consume. So I fully understand where Africa is coming from. And frankly, uh, I think I'm curious to see how it will play out. Part of the the advantage we have with COVID-19 is uh, the effects in terms of mortality on our continent has been low uh, with COVID. Uh, but, but, uh, so we could probably waive this uh, thing fairly and But the problem will come in when travel and other factors are, are exactly tourism, uh, exactly. yeah, and and so on. It's, uh, yeah, that's where the problem might be. But again, on the post, look at it this way, the west eighty percent of uh, people in the west gets vaccinated. What will stop them from going to Africa on holiday? They will, because they will feel protected. Uh-huh. So, so in the end, for me,
1: I'm not yes.
3: gung-ho yes. in forcing our oh. people to get the vaccine. I'm just thinking, uh-huh. let the Western countries get the vaccine. We watch the side effects. We watch how they're coping, and if it's good, yes. then we can also start having some, you know. Well, anyway, I'll and hence my
2: question, Doctor Kajira. Uh, I was reading something yeah. from uh, Morocco. Morocco has an ambitious um, uh, uh, program. They want to vac- vaccinate 80% of their people. 80% of the country mm-hmm. should be vaccinated. And they are using the The funny part about this story, Nathan, was that they are vaccinating them uh, using the Chinese vaccine, which hasn't um, passed all the stages of uh, efficacy, as they, as, they, as they are saying. That was funny. But what, what was not funny, Dr. Kajira, is they are targeting 80%. In other words, if the UK targets 80%, If uh, Canada here, 80%, America, 80%, and then you African country, you say we we ain't doing it, guess what? You ain't coming here, brother. You are not touching that embassy. You are not even going close to that embassy. So I agree with what Dr. Kachila said. We 100% need to get on board to find our own safe vaccines. If not we might as well just roll up the sieve and take that sucker and suck it up. That's all we are going to do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. that's a very very important point. Last week we said that the vaccine is here to help us. Of course, there are problems. There are problems historically with the way research has been conducted, especially by Western institutions. Anybody who has, uh, I don't know, the research programs from other countries, but if you do a research degree here in the United States, there is what we learn about or what we, what we come to become aware of are the ethics of research. Historically, there was harm that was done to human beings being used for experimentation of different drugs, particularly the black race in this country. So the laws have been enacted in such a way that those type of things cannot be repeated. So from the point of view of uh, legality and research and the safety of these vaccinations, particularly here in the United States, they are very, very safe. And any harm that that those drugs can bring to you, uh, they they are very, very costly. They can even cause those companies to be shut down by the legal system in this country. So uh, the vaccines are good. Uh, I know that uh, historically there are issues and researchers have used black people, and there's, mm-hmm. there's always a big mm-hmm. conspiracy. But the vaccines are here to help us, and as soon as it becomes available to me, I am taking it. I see people struggling
1: to do their work
3: because they, they choose not to take a vaccine. Take the vaccine. Take the vaccine. Take the vaccine. Take the vaccine. Dr. Doctor Casonso, yes. Dr. Casonso yes. my view is that it's a risk-benefit ratio. You have to calculate... What's your mm-hmm. risk benefit ratio in this whole sort thing? Of, whatever procedure or intervention in healthcare, uh, mm-hmm. when you implement an intervention, you have to look at risk benefit. So, when you say mm-hmm. very safe with that confidence, you're basing it on evidence, right? We're basing it on evidence. But the evidence yeah. is very brief. We, don't, we only have about two months old evidence. So,
2: mm-hmm. yes,
3: months. That's all you can say. That's all any scientist can say. Safe at two mm-hmm. months. We need longer term. If you look at the vaccine development over the years, as Dr. DaCosta has often said, it mm-hmm. takes eight to nine years, long periods for studying mm-hmm. the phases, the one, two, three, to four of the three mm-hmm. and so on, studying with animals, mm-hmm. trials, and humans. But in this case, because of the agency of the problem. The world mm-hmm. scientists had to leave whatever they were doing to just tackle this thing because it was a it's a pandemic and it's affecting the world economy and death. So they've, they've cut a lot of shortcuts, cut a lot of shortcuts, and so yes, it, its efficacy is great. Ninety-five percent, most of them except for the astrazeneca that was around seventy percent. They targeted seventy percent as the threshold, but Surprisingly, these vaccines have shown to be more effective. So okay. the yes, but the safety data is still going to be rolled out over a period of time. And we, are, we will see this as we go on with package of time. So that's all I can say. But having said that, am I going to take the vaccine? I will. Uh, when it depends on uh, the risk-benefit ratio for me. Uh, if I think the risk-benefit ratio is high, for example, if I'm working in the front line, dealing with COVID patients, I'm, I'm safer to take that vaccine because the risk okay. of me dying from the vaccine is high. So, and then the person who's remote, living in a remote part, doesn't interact with people. Why should they take a vaccine if they're staying isolated and washing their hands and wearing gloves
2: and anyway, yeah. masks? Okay, Doctor Kachula, thank you, uh, thank you for that. I mean, the only conspiracy theory so far I've accepted on this one. It is how long uh, AIDS, HIV AIDS vaccine people cannot find. Uh, someone made that uh, that point. They can't find for 20 years or so. Uh, in my view, because this uh, disease kills mostly black people, that's why they have they have not cared. Uh, maybe it's just me Anyway Our um, our our guest has joined us He's not a stranger to our radio uh, Dr. Richard Dimbewe Was uh, part of us in, uh, in the diaspora Left is in Zambia He's been there for a few years now And uh, probably He can relate well uh, With uh, what we are grappling with As far as uh, investing In the homeland is concerned He says now is the time to invest in Zambia. Dr. Mbewe, good,
1: good evening.
4: Good evening, Roger. For us who are in uh, the southern uh, the southern part of Africa, for the rest of the world, wherever you are, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, you're welcome. It's Mbewe. Again, yeah, this it
2: is 9.48 a.m. here in the mountains. Yeah, that's good.
4: Early <laughs> in the morning.
2: Yeah. How is, the, how is Zambia, Dr., uh, Dr. Mbewe?
4: Well, Zambia depends on how you take it. it for me, it's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah. the, I've been listening to the discussion which has been going on for some time yeah. now. Uh, by the way, let me greet Nathan. Nathan, would you
3: Long <laughs> time,
1: Dr. Mbewe. <laughs> Really sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
4: it's been, been a, a while, while sir. <laughs> <huh? laughs> it's been a while. Yes. Okay, the other gentleman, maybe, I've already passed my duty. Okay, so let's, let, for the sake of time, let me, let, let me go back to what I wanted to say. I've been listening to what you guys have been discussing here. One thing is clear there's a great dissonance between what we think in the diaspora and what is here on the ground. And the difference is as a result of the fact that we in the in the diaspora we live in organized societies yeah. where leaders are responsible for their actions, where yeah. governance issues are treated with utmost respect. Here it's exactly the opposite. It is exactly the opposite. So you have that problem which uh, Dr. Kasson has been mentioning. Uh, that other gentleman, a gentleman, even the one who talked about architecture and so on. Those problems they are there. Dr. Kajila. Uh, as a result, uh, come again.
2: Dr. Kajila.
4: Hello? Dr. Kajilla. I said Dr. Kajila. That's his name. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I, I understood. So you find it is as a result. Of that, misunderstanding, that cultural difference, that's how I've come to term it. It's cultural. Let me give you an example. When I came, I came in 2012. So I've been in Zambia for two, eight years. Next year, it should be nine years. When I came in 2012, you go to Manda Hill, and you want to buy the famous talk time. This is the, the, the minute for your mobile phone. And there there is a long line of people. And, you know, you start waiting there 15 minutes, 20 minutes. One person is saved. Another person comes to talk to the cashier, which is the fellow cashier. That cashier has been saving you, leaves you. He goes to sort out something there. He comes back. And you find within 30 minutes you have saved only two people. And these people are just <laughs> buying that stock price. Now, as a person from the diaspora, I lose my nerve. I go there, hey, gentlemen, what's going on? Why are you not saying? And do you know what the people say in the line? Ah, sir, if you're in a hurry, you can be the first one to be served. Hey, how many are you guys in the line here? 15, 20. You are supposed to be at work, not standing here in the line waiting for talk time. And how many productivity hours are lost in that way? Then let's multiply that effect throughout the country. You will understand. So the issue here at hand, is that it is the cultural. There's a ray of hope. The ray of hope of nothing is that Zambians are very good at copying. When you start a business, those of you who frequently travel here, you remember before the coronavirus uh, situation, there were these uh, restaurants serving Zambian food all over Lusaka, all over Long Island, mm-hmm. and so on. One person started that, well, that lady, Sylvia, with our company, Sylvia catering, so many people copied, it was everywhere. Then, since then, there was oversupply, demand was limited, yeah. most of them started running, falling down. And the yeah. corona situation put nail in the coffee of that business. Today, got to you go to one area, you will not find a restaurant where you eat your shima with dried fish. So, Zandans are good at copying. So, which means we people from the diaspora, we should come here and set examples. Remember one thing. We've got only one country, Zambia. You can be in America for 30 years, 40 years, and I was in Poland 29 years. But I still remain the Zambian. And to make matters with the Polish people would be reminding me all the time in the streets, nigga, dress up. Uh, you want me to to, 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 to to give you a banana? Or you are walking there, they go, <laughs>
1: You see?
4: You already yeah. be a Zambian. So it's high time you thought of changing our country because it's only we Zambians who will change our country and no one else will do it for us. Therefore, let's come to the Corona now. I want to give you my general view of everything, then we can chat very quickly. When it comes to the Corona, Roger, I'm giving you the second conspiracy theory for today. For me, the corona disease is a conspiracy by the Chinese. The Chinese started, I don't know whether it's together with Fauci or whoever there, but they started it in Wuhan. And then it started spreading to other countries. And the media joined into that because there was a need for media frenzy. The media always wants to talk about something. Wants to show, hey, things are bad, we are going to die, all of us. Apocalypse written in the book of revelation is taking place. No! That's not the truth. But that thing started here. But now I haven't finished with the conspiracy theory. When other countries started getting it, especially the European ones of Italy, France, Greece, Portugal, then last United States joined, you find that China was getting out of that disease out of that problem and has started manufacturing. And what what is the characteristic of coronavirus? It's lockdown. Lockdown means closing all activities, business activities. Fine. Within a short period, three months, four months, there will be nothing in the economy. There will be no salaries. Unemployment will shoot up. Uh, People will, will be restless, no money. Government will have no money because it will pay for its essential services of government employees, teachers, doctors, civil servants, and so on. (laughs) Then they'll provide a few services. That's all. The rest go go to have problems. Now, with the world grappling with that, China now is doing what? Getting out of coronavirus and is ready to supply the world with various goods, and services. When those countries try to to, to, to get out of Corona, you hear that there's a second wave. And everybody is so excited. Hey, Second wave of Corona is coming. Second wave, hey, you, do, don't be happy. It's like you dancing that the lion is coming, the second one to come and finish us. Why are you so excited that the second wave is coming? It is going to be killing the people. So in that way, I believe it is a tiny theory of wanting to dominate the world. And they are going to do it, especially that if people start talking of second wave of coronavirus next month, next month, especially when the uh, new president Biden takes over. People should simply accept that this disease is there. It's like flu. So let's find ways of protecting ourselves against the flu. But let's stop these things of closing up, locking up, and so on. Believing that, we come to Zambia's economy. Now, again, another shortcut. Zander was already in recession. And here we can argue among us economists whether recession recession means a, a GDP growth of negative value or anything below a, a, an accepted value. And in the case of Zander, it is below an accepted value. For example, the Zandian economy should grow at least 10% per annum in order for it to generate income, to generate jobs, and to produce goods for export. I will talk about exports in a few seconds. So you find that if the Zandian economy is growing below 10%, some economies suggest 6%, the Zandian economy is not creating jobs. It's not creating goods for export. Therefore, it is a an recession. And then when you bring in Corona and say that, okay, close everything now, nobody is working, stay at home, and so on, you are simply amplifying the, 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 uh, the recession which is already there. Of course, we are happy posting today that only 317 people have died in Zambia because of the corona. Fine. So now, why don't we move on and start producing? Especially that the surrounding countries appear to have bigger problems with the corona than us. So if the Chinese are, are starting to produce there, let's just make a government rule. This corona business is not serious. It's not there. Let's start growing things maize and so on, so that when these are our neighboring countries start coming out of the corona, we are ready to supply them. And in that way, we've got income. Therefore, the problem we have, apart from that culture, it is a strategic thinking. What is going to happen tomorrow? What are we going to do tomorrow? And through that, you find that we are not doing anything, and we've got problems. Now, Let's quickly jump to exports. You see, exports are the basis of an economy. And in Zambia we both, we a monoculture economy. I remember that from grade 7 in 1976. We're a monoculture economy, this and that. We just export copper. Just a minute. Those copper mines today are not owned by Zambia. So all the profits which are generated from the mining copper, they do not go to Zambia. They are taken over by the owners of the mines: First Quantum, Baric Gold, Glencoe, and Danta Resources. They are the ones who take the profits. According to company law, and we have agreed to suit ourselves to company law because those are the basis of the, the, uh, the, 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 the market economy that we wanted to enter Zambia in 1991. So today, those mines are not ours. We have been talking of gold here. Similarly, gold, they have found gold. Instead of setting up a company, Zambian indigenous company, that would be mining, that gold, and refining, you are going to bring Sudanese. You mean, you sure, we can't get for $5 million dollars in Zambia and get a, a, a machine to, to, uh, to, to, to be panning uh, the gold? We, ha- we can. But that is the first problem. Lack of national interest the current leadership throughout, not even talking about the president, the president can even have national interest at heart, but those people around him, they are lining their pockets. They are not doing things for the sake of the nation. They want to get richer and richer and richer. Whether you buy a chicken steak at 90 kwacha in, uh, in, 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 in Long Waker's Market or 700 kwacha at Chicago Grill. It is the same, same, same t-bone. But here it is personal ego, so that it can be I ate a t-bone of 700 quarts. And it is the same meat. So there's no, 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 no extreme benefit Since we are not producing anything, we are not exporting anything. Now, listen to this. This is what both economists and government should be taken into consideration. For so every country that is a member of the IMF, International Monetary Fund, <coughs> their exchange rate is dictated by the process of demand and supply of dollars on the local market. So in the, paraphrasing back to the Zambian situation, the, our exchange rate in Zambia is dictated by the demand and supply of dollars on the Zambian market. And how many dollars do we have on the Zambian market? Very little, because we are not exporting anything to any foreign currency. Therefore, demand for the dollar is high. People are willing to pay more to get that dollar. That's why the exchange rate is going up uncontrollably like that. To control that, we need to produce things for export and start generating income. That is what Another thing people should always remember, the IMS, from the time it started uh, interfering in Zambian economy in 1986, their recommendation has always been the same, structural adjustment program. They want you to change the structure of your economy so that it can generate other jobs or other sources of income. In the case of Zambia, it has always been the same. Stop producing, concentrating on copper. Start, uh, go to agriculture. You can even go to the famous mukula tree, and so on and so on. Recently, cannabis. Do you know that cannabis makes more money than copper? <laughs> Do you know that keshuna costs more, a ton of keshuna gets more than a ton of nickel on the world market? So what we have is long strategy again. And finally, in Zambia, everybody knows what is the problem with our country. In Zambia, everybody knows what is the solution to that problem. But in Zambia, there's nobody who folds fold sleeves and say, let's do it. It is the doing, stupid, paraphrasing Clinton when he said it's <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs>
4: Doctor Roger, let me throw a question
3: as Dr. Mbewe here. A lot of things, but just one simple question. This, what you have said, I'll, I'll, I'll tease you on one issue. On coronavirus, you sound like a retamplican. I hope you know what that means. Secondly, so if what I need, if like I, the, I come Trump there, Trump? no yeah. retamplican, <laughs> republican. We've changed it to retamplican. So. Uh-huh. Why?
1: <laughs>
3: yeah. So, Dr. Okay, bewe here I am, Nasan a Zambian. I want to come there and do something. But that place, yes. my country, prefers to deal with the Chinese, prefers to deal with the Sudanese, prefers to deal with every other foreigner except me. How do you explain that?
4: The inferiority complex, eh? that is one. We still believe that if we do a business with a or with a Chinese, it is better than doing with a fellow Zambian. I'll give you an example to explain my, my, my thinking. The, the Chinese, they know how to deal with us. So what do they do? The Chinese come to the table and tell you, tell me, Richard Nathan, let's do a business. Let's do this gold mine. He is hundred thousand on the table. So we will tell them, ah, just a minute, you guys. What about the business plan? Ah, no, don't worry. The Chinese will tell you, don't worry about the business plan. Sky This time <coughs> now, spend more money. My shoes, which are not working. Then, then my understanding, we know. Then you organize a license. Ah, no, know? but Ah, am So that money, you use it to bribe. And before you know what's happening, these Chinese people have got a very good super license given to them by government with the help of two Zambians, Nathan and Nbewe. And Nathan and Bewe they have done that because they have got uh, Suzus, And they are now no, no longer living in Irrwala. They are moved to Woodlands, And they are getting a salary from the Chinese. From there, they go now to start doing the job. The Chinese are pumping in money and they employ local people, very those low, low, lowly educated people, whom they are paying peanuts. Because me and Nathan, we are getting very well, and we are the bosses, we don't complain. Huh? According to that uh, joke, or is it a problem, that here in Africa we don't talk when the mouth is full. So the Chinese, the Chinaman has filled your mouth. So are <laughs> you
3: going to argue.
2: Doctor Mbewe, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, doctor, doctor I'm going to go through the the line so that everyone has a, a small question to ask Doctor Mbewe. Uh, as always, I didn't plan my time properly, so I have, I have only 20 minutes. So make your answer <laughs> you to very brief. Yeah, I check on foot carrier. Uh, make your answers brief so that everyone will have uh, a question to, to ask you. My one uh, only question, uh, Dr. Mbewe, a diaspora, now you are taking the diaspora, now is the time to invest in Zambia. Why do you say so? Because, uh,
4: because inflation has shot up in Zambia. Inflation has really shot up. To give you an example, when I came in 2012, for a liter of fuel, petrol, I would pay four quacha. Today, I'm paying 17 quacha to round off, let's say, 20 quacha. With 100 kwacha, those days I could get 25, 25 liters. Eh? Today, I'll get how many? Five. This is the difference. Now, in such a situation, this is the situation which on the stock market, if you remember I used to work on investment banking, the blood is flowing. When the blood is flowing, meaning people are suffering, things, prices will go down. People will stop buying. When prices go down, that's the time to buy, which means that's the time to invest in Zambia. Because in Zambia now, people are ready to sell you things at exorbitant prices in quarter terms. But if you come with your euro, your dollar, or your pound, it could be peanuts. And you can get a very big ranch, you can get a very big farm, you can get very... Do you know a chief on his own? A chief on his own has got the right to give you 240 hectares of land. A hectare is 10,000 square meters which
2: is 100 by 100. Okay, so, so, so things, uh, are, are, quite, yeah, things are, are quite cheap here. Again, I have, I have no time. Uh, I'll go to Louisiana. Uh, Brother Warren, you are listening to Dr. Richard Mbewe, who is in Lusaka, Zambia. Do you have a question for him or a small comment? Uh, yeah, my, my question
3: would be, the uh, businesses like hardware stores,
1: furniture stores, Uh, Do foreigners have a monopoly on those businesses, or are there Zambians who are retail hardware stores where you need materials to build houses
3: and repairs and uh, furniture stores?
4: Uh, uh, From what I've understood, you're asking about the retail stores, right? The the type of the Walmart or so on. Yeah, the hardware store. uh,
2: Well,
1: well, well, what we call what we would call mom and pop stores, where where a family may okay, okay, own a particular location.
4: Okay, I get it. The retail business in Zambia, retail, is literally monopolized by foreigners. The
1: mm. big
4: shops, listen to do. The big shops, the type of the Walmart, Sears, uh, Tesco, and so on, they are from South Africa. That is shoprite, pick and pay. There were some like Spa from Austria, which tried their luck, but they have gone out of business. Uh, food lovers caught, it came out to be expensive. It's running out of business, but the the, it, the food retail still remains between these two giants, Shoprite and Pick and Pay. They are South African. Then we come to middle class uh, retail outlets again, shops. These are owned by foreigners again. It's Cheers. Uh, uh, which are, which is uh, and choppy. Cheers is coming from uh, Boston, some Indians in Botswana, uh, uh, then, or is it choppy? And the other one is owned by Zambian Indians. I, I don't mm. remember exactly. Yeah, I stand to be corrected. Then the Maman pop shops, they are not owned by Zambians, they are owned by Rwandese and Burundis, The refugees. Mm who ran away from that Rwanda massacre of 1994. They came and settled in Zambia, and the United Nations High Commission for refugees gave them some money to start up capital for uh, living in Zambia. Today, they are dominating the mom and pop shops, especially those ones at the corner of the street, in compounds compound like Rivala, Mpendere, Kabushi, K- Uzakile. Those shops are owned by them. Zambians, if you see one having one, it is survival of the fittest. And the Zambians, the business they are doing, it is this thing of selling airtime, talk time, the famous talk time, and money transfer. That's where you find them. But you even find that behind that money transfer, if it's doing very well, there's a Rwandan.
2: Thank you. Doctor Casoso in Washington DC. Hello? Hello, Doctor Casoso, mm-hmm. go ahead. Yes,
4: um,
3: uh, Doctor Bello, hi. I, say, I I I took interest I'm in. Um, fine. I'm fine, thank you. How are you, are you surviving the the corona without a vaccine?
4: Ah oh, no, we, here we don't survive. We live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: I took interest in um in the way uh your your able explanation of um what causes the rate of exchange uh to to go up the demand for the dollar. And clearly, the demand for the yeah. dollar is related to the things we get from outside of the country because we have to pay in that currency. And yeah. also, is related to things that we we try to sell around the world if we can and how much of the dollar we get into our country. Now, which exactly. one is easier? Please educate our audience. Which one is easier? To reduce imports or to increase exports for Zambia, which one is easier and which one must the the government uh, implement at the macro level to help uh, improve the financial uh, condition on the ground?
4: Reducing imports will be very difficult, I have to tell you that. Why? Because Zambians are a heavy consumer society and they believe in eating or buying something that is (laughs) important rather than which is locally produced. At the same time, increasing export is easier because you simply have to state, okay, I'll start say something which some people might not like. You go back to the idea of Kaunda, of state farms. But this time, run them on a commercial basis. Let them be companies done less on a PPP uh, basis. And in that way, you think that are required by the market, the international market that might even be easier because it will be a command sort of economy. That would make things work because here you cannot count on the fact that people are entrepreneurs. They will run things on their own. No, there's no entrepreneurship in Zambia. That's when we are teaching it. <laughs> and that one is a problem because you can take a cow to the river, but you can't force it to drink. So, therefore, Imports, you can also do substitutes. But, you know, with a substitute, then you've got a problem. There will be a few people who will start traveling out of the country and coming back with a, a Milka bar of chocolates or a Nestle bar of chocolate, And there will be some people who will be able to pay $100 just for that bar of chocolate. So, you see, it is a cut 69 situation, but which at one time has to be cut. Government should agree on doing something that is going to work in a short while and give results, good results immediately. Clive Chiro have worked with him. There are a number of recommendations for that. But the government is not ready to pick them up. It's not ready to pick them out because, you know, you have to know how to do it. It's not just reading about it, but then you should know how to go and implement it. The implementation is an issue here. And I'm sure once implemented, within a short period, the people will start getting used. There's an, an organization which is called buy Z, which is promoting buying Zambian products. And do you know their biggest challenge? To find Zambian products.
2: The main point here, also, <laughs> since we are not producing anything, we are not exporting. Uh, example, fish. Fish, I'm, I'm not sure we, we even have an option to, oh, I want imported tilapia. No, we, we just don't have it in the country. That's why we are bringing from uh, from, from China. Let me go to Dr. Kajira in, uh, somewhere in Ontario there. Dr. Kajira. Yes, uh, thanks
3: a lot, Roger. Thanks, uh, Dr. Mbewe, for the insightful comments and uh, education you've given us. I have... A couple of questions. The first one is um, the uh, AFCTA, the African uh, Continental Free Trade uh, Area, has been ratified by the AU and will be implemented this coming year. How prepared is Zambia? regarding? Good question. Because the the growth of companies that are African owned can exponentially rise if there's free trade within Africa. Second question is, you are an investment banker or advisor. Um, How do you see the diaspora leveraging with uh, you guys on the ground so we can create companies that are sustainable and large enough to compete with the Chinese and Europeans and others? Because we have the skills out here, and so do you down there. And uh, many of you have been abroad and are back there at home. So how do we leverage that? How do we become organized? To me, the problem is we are totally disorganized. We're thinking contemporary style, or you can buy, it. right now they are selling, you can buy You can buy a it farm. It's the same rationale, that, like the example you gave of the two Zambians who, who got deals with the Chinese and got their laxes and uh, farms. We're
4: thinking the same way. Thank you. Yes. When it comes to the free trade agreements, like the first one you have mentioned, you see, those agreements, they are there. The country where I stayed for a long time, Poland, has got even agreements for Zambians. Specifically, if Zambian goods came from Zambia and they satisfied these conditions, they will enter Poland and be bought for free at world markets, by free I mean without import duties and so on and so on. But you find that we don't have what to sell. We don't have what to sell. <laughs> Look at the <that>.
1: Wow.
4: South <laughs> huh, Commission, we are supposed to be agreeing there among the third countries and, and agree. Okay, Zander will, will produce the energy. Yeah? Produce the energy to go all over us, and we shall be paying you in, in dollars. Malawi, you are good at uh, growing maize, grow maize, grow groundnuts, and so on. We help you, you roast it and export it to China, transform it into into cooking oil, and it goes to China somewhere there. In Congo and uh, they they can come in with their cassava, combine with Zander, with the minerals, and so on. They are so. Crude oil. Let Angola start at last dis- distributing that crude oil into the, into the SADC region. But Angola is exporting. Now, what is the problem here? The problem is that we are not united. The way we, you have uh, the election, you said it, Dr. Kazula, we are not united. We don't want to work together. We want to work on our own. The, 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 the African leaders are, are afraid of losing their power. Central power. Because for example, if we did something like the European Union. Then of the European Union President would be I mean, be President who is stronger than let's say for example, uh, President Lungu. Would President Lungu sign such an agreement that will remove power from Lusaka to, to Johannesburg? No way. No way. So that is the first problem with these inter regional trade organizations. Political, secondly, we don't have to, what to offer. Thirdly, if they offered us a, a, a place where to go, we are not in a position to offer something which we can go there. And fourthly, these organizations have become uh, talking places. You know, when I was working for the World Bank in, in Poland, I, I used to attend these the annual IMF World Bank meetings. And at one time, one guy made a joke to me that, do you know why international agreements are signed on Friday in the afternoon? I said no. He said, because that time, the Africans are not here; They have gone for shopping. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> now you it's come true, to
4: though. Yeah, they are leaving us out. It's true. Yes, those ones who have gone to these international meetings, you see. Why is it on Friday and in the afternoon? And then when you look at the chamber there, Zambia, absent. Madagascar, absent. <coughs> are absent. Where are the, these ambassadors gone? are going to buy things for your first wife, second wife, third wife, your party girlfriend, and so on and so on. That's another story. Now, when it comes to investment, this is in line with what I said earlier on. There is no one who's going to develop Zambia for us apart from you Zambians. Zambia. And ourselves. There's a number of people from the diaspora who have settled here in Zambia whose mind has still remained diasporan who want to get things done in the right way, in the right method, at a minimum cost. The problem, as you had alluded to, Dr. Kazira, is that Andrians, we, we have got a contemporary mentality. But that's not the, the only thing. That contemporary mentality is accompanied by a superiority complex. If we are to set mm. up a company today, me and Dr. Kazira, we shall start fighting. Who is going to be the CEO. Get a point? No, no need and for that. We are,
3: no, those are just titles. not
4: need for that, but those are the issues here. Who's gonna be the CEO? And if we buy Hilaxes, we this one, you can't have the same Hilaxes like me because I'm the CEO. So here we should double uh, <laughs> six-cylinder. <laughs> me and and uh, have uh, V8. Small the ten. V eight. mind mentality. Exactly. Exactly. No, Until that is uh, the mind of the people, we shall still go on uh, lagging behind. And it can only be removed by we people from the diaspora, you people who are seated here, there, and people who are here in Zambia,
1: to yeah. work together.
4: Yeah. Exactly. That's why I've been talking of those investment funds. Do you see, the Zambian, remember this, the Zambian Securities Exchange Commission, is the third most stringent, most stringent regulator of financial markets in the world. Wow. So if you register a fund and it is accepted by Musaka Sec, then you know that your money will not get lost easily. It? it won't get lost easily. But the problem is that people don't trust. Ah, I, I give my 100,000 to Mbewe. They do Time is gone.
1: Very,
2: very quickly. Very, very quickly, Doctor. Here, you are saying we don't have anything to sell. How can we, uh, before we look to, to government, as either individuals or the yeah. private sector, um, solve that problem, create something to sell? Because as you are saying, yes, yes, if you go yes. into all these uh, markets, mm-hmm. there are some, some agreements we have signed. They are waiting for us to export. How do we yes. feed in those orders? How do we do it? So
4: this is what i definitely said. We set up an investment fund, poor pool banner together. We choose products we want to go into. And then from there we grow those products to international standards. So that then from there we go and simply we go. We don't wait for government to go for us. We go we now you're talking to the commercial secretariat. We were a company and we've got this thing, we want you to have a commercial free license. They will tell us there you are, you are go. there you are ready to go. Then we have got our own sales team which starts selling through the commercial region. Don't be reactive. Be proactive. Get things done. Don't wait for things to be done.
2: Last question, Brother Charlie, in uh, Florida. I know there was another yeah. question, uh, but this was the most critical question uh, that asked. Let me allow yeah. our Brother Charlie in Florida. Very quickly, Brother, we, we have got four minutes. Okay, um, my quick my question is um, you know, you were you are saying that you should come and invest in Zambia now, but the picture
1: you have painted has been very grim, a little bit disheartening. <laughs> For a person like me, who
3: is seriously, mm-hmm. seriously looking at investing in Zambia and saying, what do I do? Where do I go from here? Um, what is there that we can come and do? And you know, you talk about investment from
2: what if I only have $10,000 or 2000 or 100000 you know, because when we do the millions of dollars, yeah, but what if I only have 10,000? What is there for a regular guy on the street wanting to come and do something for his own family first?
4: First and foremost, I painted that green picture deliberately. This is in line with risk management. There, where the risk is perceived to be high, that is where there is the highest rate of return. Two. You with your ten thousand dollars, come and set up a farm of fish ponds that will be grow that will be growing the tilapians, which my my brother Roger here wa- wants. And those tilapias you sell them around. Do you know that the demand for fish in Zambia, I read somewhere, it is about two hundred thousand tons per year, of which eighteen thousand is local. The rest is imported from Zimbabwe and China. So, you need to come and start, if you have got 10,000, to start a farm that will be growing in Tlachia. Another good business which is coming up is Imirongi, or Imirongi, which is the catfish. Here in Zander, we've got problems with Imirongi, culturally. Ah, this <laughs> and that. What, what? Go and sell to the people who eat, eat, the Congolese. Uh, uh, on the fire. It doesn't mean uh. that you can't grow for someone who wants to eat. So you you, you grow tilapia fish mm. in huge quantities. And you sell to Congo. Power generation. Solar power
2: generation. Uh, uh, l- so last you minute, uh, uh, Dr. Mbewe, you, are for, you and I talking. You have uh, uh, an investment a license uh, there. How how can the brothers are listening uh, get advantage uh, of your your license and your expertise in investment banking?
4: Yes. I, I recently in, in November got my local stock broker's license. Because for you to, to, to operate in Zambia, you need to have a stock broker's license. Even if you were, you were working on the on the Wall Street, but once you want to operate in Zambia, you have to do the Zambian one. I did that one and passed. And in January, I'm setting up an investment fund, and in that one, information will be sent to the people around, and those ones don't want to join, to team up, to invest, they'll be welcome.
2: That was Dr. Mbewe. As okay. always, um, you and I are talking, and we are working on a, uh, a serious... Uh, project. So those listening and uh, want to do something, please inbox me and uh, I can lead you to something. Dr. Kajira said, "Let's stop uh, this uh, cartooning mentality." Oh, Dr. Kajira, I'm going big. Don't worry about that. I'm going big.
1: <laughs> this was your show. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: yeah, uh, we have What's only that? one minute. Go ahead, Dr. Uh, Dr. Uh, before Kajira. you go,
3: before you go. Yeah, yes. the Zambian Economic Association is going to make a presentation to ADDI on the 16th of December of January on the um, uh, projects that are available for investment for the diaspora. Dr. Mbewe, you should be part of that. We want to team up as diaspora, get money
2: together, and do big stuff. Thank you. I uh, will give Dr. you Mbewe's Dr. 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 Number. number and you can collaborate. Yes, we need Dr. Mbewe there. Mm-hmm. Have a good weekend, everyone. Thank
0: you. We'll To mela to mela to mele la la veta. Whoa, what Little see you Who would love me? love